0: And to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living, a holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Is it? You want me to go to this one? Okay. We can do that. Okay, I'll just set this one off then. Okay. There was a man years ago in India, his name was Sundar Singh. He came from a high caste family and in the course of time it came in contact with Christianity, accepted Christ as a savior, became an outcast from his family because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And yet he traveled all over India, preaching the gospel message and, and sharing Christ with others. On one occasion, he was traveling with a friend through one of the high passes up in the Himalaya mountains, seeking to communicate Christ in, in one of the villages. As they were making their way through the pass, they came across a body that was almost buried in the snow there. They stopped and, and found out that the man was just barely alive, But uh, hypothermia was setting in. Uh, Sundar wanted to stop and and help the man. His companion said, if we stop and help, we will lose our lives in the process. And so they had an argument about that. And Sundar could not think of leaving the man to die in in that condition. And so his companion bade him farewell and, and went on his trip. Sundar lifted the poor man onto his back and with great exertion began to make his way through the past. In the process of, of time, his body heat began to warm up the fellow that he was carrying. And eventually he was able to stumble along beside him. Uh, together they made their way through the pass. But as they came out of the end of the pass, they found his companion frozen to death. Sundar had been willing to give of his life for somebody else and in the process he found it. His companion was willing to save his life, but in the process he lost it. In our passage today, we are encouraged to give our lives, to present them in a sense as a living sacrifice to Jesus Christ. We need to consider this morning what is a living sacrifice. We have completed our doctrinal study of the book of Romans. We, if you recall, uh, the Apostle Paul loves to do that in, in his epistles. He, he'll start with a doctrinal section for maybe one or two chapters. Well, in this case, it's been 11 chapters. But uh, And then he'll go into uh, the practical section. What is our response to that doctrine? In the doctrinal s- section, if you recall, we started by looking at the wrath of God. Beginning in chapter 1, verse 18, through the end of chapter 3 there, his conclusion was that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And yet that wasn't the end of the story, because immediately he, he moved into the work of God. The work of God is our great salvation. It involves our justification, it involved our sanctification, and ultimately will involve our per- perseverance there. We have, have been saved, we are being saved, we will be saved. Someday as we're with him in glory. So that was the work of God. And then we looked for a couple of weeks here in chapters 9 through 11 at the wisdom of God as he revealed his wisdom for not just Israel but for the church as well and the interplay between the two factions there and what his plan is. And we came to the conclusion when we came down to verse 33 here that while he revealed much of the wisdom of God, we don't fully understand it. It is so much greater than than anything that we could think of or uh, imagine. But as Paul thinks now of all that he has revealed to us in those 11 chapters, and that out, comes with an outburst of praise, to God be the glory, and then raises the question, what should be our response? How should we respond to all that, that God has accomplished for us? Verses 1 and 2 lays the basic foundation, and I debated whether to hold off on this message till the first of the year, because we're going to take a two-week break. Uh, We're going to have a Christmas program next week and a Christmas message, and then on uh, Christmas Eve day, we'll have another Christmas (laughs) message. But you know, as, as I thought about that, this is the very foundation of the next several chapters, and so I'm going to give you three weeks to mold this over in your mind before we move on and look at specific areas there. Because what, what he says in verses one and two applies clear down through verse, uh, through the middle of chapter 15. There, so we're going to come back to that over and over again. So your assignment for the next three weeks is going to be reread this these two verses several times. You know, if you reread it every day, in three weeks' time you'd have it memorized. <laughs> now, I know some of you think that's not possible, but uh, just try it. Go go over it every day for the next three weeks. And, and I think you could probably quote it for me when we come back to start the new new year there. But it is the foundational truth that, that we need to, to look at here. And, and it's based on, in thir- verse 31 of chapter 11, it's based on the mercy of God. Because of his mercy, because we have been shown mercy there, This is what God expects of us today. The first command that he gives us here is that we are to present our bodies to God. I think we could include in that we are to present our whole being to God, body, soul, and spirit there. We we are, are to give ourselves. Now, notice he says, I beseech you here. He's not commanding us to do that. He's asking us. To present ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. It goes back to what Jesus said in John 14, verse 15. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And you know, when we think back of all that we looked at in the first 11 chapters, we should have a love for him. This should be a, a grateful response to all that he has done for us. And he asks us to present or to yield our bodies to him. It's the same word that he used back in chapter 6, verse 13, where where he said, don't go on yielding your members of your body as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to the Lord as as instruments of righteousness there. Same idea comes out of, I think, Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. And the result was he fell on his face before the Lord. And the Lord cleansed his life. And then he heard the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And the natural response for Isaiah was, here I am, Lord, send me, use me in, in that process. Now, Paul uses here the aorist tense. Now, I realize for probably most of us that doesn't say a whole lot, but that's the, that's the Greek tense that, that he uses. Uh, I am not an English major. I, I, I do, you ever get the verb tenses mixed up? When, when you're writing or speaking and so forth, uh, if if English was an exact science like math is, it it would be okay. But uh, it, it, English is is crazy, uh, and and it, it can be difficult. But th- this particular tense that he uses here speaks of a one-time act that affects the rest of our life. Now, some of you, uh, as we did 48 years ago stood before an altar, and we pledged ourselves to one another in marriage. That was a one-time act. I haven't done that twice. Uh, 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 We we only did it once. But it has had a profound impact on our life for 48 years. uh, And that's the idea that he has in mind here. We present ourselves to him. If we do that, it's going to have an impact upon what we do from this moment on. It... it, uh, in, uh, it, actually, he's asking us just to really recognize what is actually true. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 19, he says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? That you are not your own, you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. We already belong to him. I mean, he, we're his by creation, we're his because he bought us in, in a sense through his blood, But he's simply saying, Lord, or or asking us to allow him to have control of every area of our life. In in John chapter 17, verse 11, he says, I am no more in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. This is Jesus' high priestly prayer for his followers. He said, I'm no longer in the world, but they're in the world. And I come to, to thee, Holy Father, keep them in thy name, the name which thou hast given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. What is he saying and suggesting in that verse? I think he's saying, I came, I gave my life, I'm going back to be with my Father in glory. You're going to be here as my hands, my feet, my lips. If the message is going to be communicated to somebody, you're going to be the ones that communicate it. He's looking to use us in that process. We are the means today by which he expresses his love. To others, and to do that, he asks us to be a sacrifice to be willing to give of ourselves for, for the sake of the Lord. He wants first of all a living sacrifice he doesn 't need a dead sacrifice. Christ died on the cross he was the dead the sacrifice that, that he gave his life for us so in Luke chapter nine as, as he 's speaking to his disciples, he said um, if any man would come after me, let him do what? Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He calls us to follow him. Not necessarily to die on a cross as he died on a cross, but to, to be that, that sacrifice in a sense to say, Lord, here I am. Use me today. Years ago, there was a man from uh, Romania. His name was Joseph Tan. He was pastor for several years of the Second Baptist Church in, in Oradea, Romania, until he was exiled in 1981 by the Romanian government. He tells of his experience years later. He said, years ago, I ran away from my country to study theology at Oxford. In 1972, when I was ready to go back to Romania, I discussed my plans with my fellow students. They pointed that out that I might be arrested at the border. One student said, Joseph, what chance do you have of successfully implementing your plans? He said, I went to God and asked him about that. And God brought to mind Matthew ten sixteen. I send you as a sheep in the midst of wolves. And the Lord seemed to be saying to him, Joseph, what chance does a sheep have surrounded by a pack of wolves? It doesn't have much of a chance, does it? He said, uh, what chance does it have of converting the wolves? He said, Joseph, that's how I send you, totally defenseless, without a reasonable hope of success. If you're willing to go like that, go. If you're not willing to be in that position, don't go. And so he went. After his return, he preached the gospel message. He was harassed. He was arrested. One day during the interrogation process, the man in charge, the officer in charge, threatened to kill him. Joseph looked at him. He said, sir, your supreme weapon is killing me. My supreme weapon is dying you know that my tapes are all over the country with the gospel message if you kill me i will be sprinkling those tapes with my blood people will say this man was willing to die for this we better listen to what he has to say he went on to say your supreme weapon is killing my supreme weapon is dying so go ahead and take my life uh The officer sent him home. He said, that gave me pause to think. He said, for years, I was a Christian who was cautious because I wanted to survive. I had accepted all the restrictions the authorities put on me because I wanted to live. Now I wanted to die, and they wouldn't oblige me. Now I could do whatever I wanted in Romania. For years, I wanted to save my life, and I was losing it. Now I was willing to lose my life, and I was winning it a living sacrifice. He needs those who are willing to go into the world, live out the character of Christ, even when it costs, even when there's a price to pay. Are we willing to be a living sacrifice? Do we have that desire to glorify God with our bodies? Do we get up in the morning and wonder, what do you have for me today, Lord? Or do we get up and think, well, I have this planned and that planned, and, and uh, we, we, we rush out without even giving any thought to the fact that we're here as a living sacrifice for the glory of Jesus Christ. We're also to be a holy sacrifice. The word holy means to be separate from sin. So the idea comes out of 2 Corinthians six seventeen, where he, he speaks of the fact, Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Second Timothy chapter 1 or chapter 2 in verse 19 and 21, he says, In a great house there are many vessels. Some are clean, some are unclean. Some are wooden, some are gold, and so forth there. Uh, he wants us to be a clean vessel. God prefers to walk, work through clean vessels there. Now, he'll use a variety of vessels. He, he use, has used preachers in the, in the Word of God. He also used Balaam's donkey. That wasn't considered a clean animal, but uh, he spoke through that donkey a, a, as well. But he prefers to use clean ones, and, and we appreciate that fact. I, I remember when we lived out in the village of Chilenko Forks, British Columbia, about 100 miles west of of Williams Lake, we had the, the privilege often of, of visiting in some of the Indian homes, and, and they didn't really follow the traditions that we follow and so forth. If you wanted uh, something to eat, if there was something on the stove, you just helped yourself. If, if you were, wanted a cup of coffee, the coffee pot was always on, just – fill a cup, and and, and have a cup of coffee. There were many times when we would visit in the evening, and we were thankful that the only light in the cabin was either a candle or or a kerosene lamp. Because when you picked up some of those cups, you wondered how many people have used this before I picked it up. In the dark, you couldn't see that. (laughs) But... uh, uh, I, we would have much rather have had a, a clean cup. Now we we use the dirty cups because we wanted to be sociable. We wanted to reach them and, and and minister to them and so forth. But uh, anytime we're unclean, anytime we allow sin in our lives, I think we detract from the glory of God. We limit what He is able to do through us and and, and in us as, as well. And it goes so far in First one First Thessalonians chapter five. In verse 22, he said, I want you to abstain from all appearance of evil. Not just the evil itself, but all appearance of evil. We we need to be careful how we walk. He's looking today for a holy sacrifice for those who are willing to live pure lives to the glory of Jesus Christ. And so I think it's good for us to stop and ask, are we living pure lives? Or is there areas of compromise in our life that are detracting from the, the work of Jesus Christ today? And then he's looking for... An acceptable sacrifice, a sacrifice that is acceptable has to be acceptable to God, not to us, but to God. He's the one that that we're making that sacrifice for. I I love the irony of of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi, uh, chapter one. Uh, and this I don't think is in on the overhead, but that that's okay. I, it's a rabbit trail. Uh, in chapter 1, he's, he's taking them to task for some of the sacrifices and so forth that, that, that they've been offering. He, he says in verse 10, you are presenting defiled food upon my altar, which say, how have we defiled thee? And that you say the table of the Lord is to be despised. But when you present your blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? When you present the lame and sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you or would he receive you kindly, saith the Lord of hosts? They were taking the worst of the flock and bringing it to God and thinking this is doing God a service. And, and, you know, as we think about that, I wonder, we have that song, Give of Your Best to the Master. Do we give of the best to the master? Or do we give them our leftovers? I, I remember years ago when we were starting a school for Indian students up in Canada, we used to get a lot of used clothing. Some of it was good. But I remember getting one shipment from uh, a church in Vancouver, uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. They were old, they were tattered. Some of them, they they uh, they had cut every button off of the clothes. They, they they could use the buttons on 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 new clothes, but uh, you, you don't want to leave them on old clothes. And and, and uh, we 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 had fun with a lot of those shipments. We we'd have a, a dress up night where we you know. Just for a kind of a joke and a party, you dress up in some of these things and, and, and so forth. But I, I remember on one occasion, a, a man came from a church here actually in Spokane area. And he came to help with the work for a week or two. And, and we were in the process of painting, some, doing some painting. And so he said, do you have any old rags around? We said, well, go to the used clothing box and and get what you need. And he 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 took offense at that. He said, you know, if somebody has given that to you, you're supposed to wear it. That's a sacrifice that, that, that they've made. And, and I still remember a, a coworker, worker a fellow missionary. He looked at that man and he said, Scripture says you're to give of your first fruits. Does that look like the first fruits to you? <laughs> it, it made good rags. But uh, I, I wonder, do we do the same thing if we're not careful when it comes to our time? We're all busy. We all have lots of things that demand our time. When it comes to his time for serving the Lord, does he get last place? Does he get the leftovers? Or do we give of our best to the master? When it comes to our talents, are we willing to invest our talents in the work of Jesus Christ? Or do we give him the leftovers again? What Are we giving an acceptable sacrifice, not one that's acceptable to us, but one that is acceptable to him. Are we giving of our best to him? And then the second command here is do not be conformed to this world. Uses the present tense here. I'm going back to our English grammar again here. Present tense is the here and now. And so this is a repeated action that that is taking place. We have to continually guard against being conformed to this world. That demands some self-evaluation. That's one of the reasons we have the Lord's table, isn't it? Remember, he said, let a man do what? Examine himself. Take take a look at your life. As as you look at, as you think of the Lord's table and the sacrifice that Christ made, how do you measure up to that? He said, make sure that you're not conformed to this world. The word conformed literally means to be squeezed into a mold, to, to be forced into a particular shape. When I was going to college, I worked... Couple summers at a, a place where we made rubber products. We we would take crude rubber and add all kinds of chemicals to it, make different properties, and, and uh, most of it we would just make into slabs and, and send it to other companies. But we we did do some finishing work with it. We we would make seals for rockets. We we uh, you know you you get up on the, those metal roofs and you have those uh, rubberized washers on the screws. We we made those. Now, that that was part of the job and the way we made them was we we had a mold that had about two dozen little holes in it we'd put a chunk of rubber in it put it under heat and pressure for a while and out would come the washer and then we'd put them onto the uh the screws or whatever you wanted to use them for they they made all kinds of things in that in that department all in the form of of molds, that that metal would be melted, or I mean that rubber would be melted, squeezed into the mold, shaped, cooled, and then it would come out the product that we wanted it to, to to be there. Sadly, in the church, if we're not careful, we get squeezed into the mold of the world. We get to thinking like the world. We we get to behaving like the world. The only difference we find, so uh, someone has said that the church follows the world but they just stay 10 years behind it and and so when we look at the standards of the world 10 years from now we'll be adopting some of them in the church if we're not careful we we, we've done that in so many of our churches in the area of of marriage uh, material things and so forth when in reality God says I want you to show the world a better way I want you to show the world a better life don't conform to their standards you be the standard bearer you're an image of the heavenly what are your values what are your priorities what drives your decisions what uh, drives your actions today how is the world affecting you and then let's ask the other question how are we impacting the world because that's what he's left us here for we're in the world he said but we're not of the world we're not to be like the world we are to show the world a, a better way better way of living today don't be conformed he said to this world the third command is be transformed be transformed how by the renewal of your mind now the word transformed is the same word that comes out of the story of jesus when he was on the mount of transfiguration you remember the glory of the lord was there and it wasn't like we have pictured, I don't know if any of you have that picture on your wall or not of Jesus kneeling in the Garden of Gethsemane, a, a light coming down from heaven and, and shining upon him. I hate to break here the bubble here, but that's not correct. It was, it was something that was coming out of him, not something that was shining on him. There, it, it, the whole the word is used of a caterpillar. You know, you take a, a little caterpillar and you watch it spin a web around itself. It is literally transformed. How does that happen? I don't know. (laughs) All I know is it goes in a caterpillar and it makes its way out eventually a butterfly. It's been metamorphosized. That's the word he's using here. It has been transformed from inside out. Social action today tries to transform society from the outside in. That doesn't work. You've got to change the heart first if if you're going to see lasting change in a person's life. If you don't believe that, go to the fair. Next time we have a fair, walk through the, the pens there of the animals there. You, you ever see them decorate some of those pigs? They, they, they brush them. They, they wash them. They brush them. They put ribbons in their hair. They, they curl some of it and so forth. What do they have when they're done? A pig. <laughs> You turn that pig loose, and where is it going to go? The nearest mud puddle. You, you haven't changed. I mean, you've made that pig look extra special, but you haven't changed it. You, you've just done some cosmetic work. Uh, we, we need to be careful in, in, in that area. that We don't just try to clean up the outside when it's the heart that needs to be changed. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We need to be careful that, that we target the heart there today. Uh, I'm not against social action that there is a time and a need for that, but always make sure in that emphasis that there's an opportunity to present Jesus Christ. If, if you merely clean them up on the outside, you, you've got a, a person all cleaned up on the outside headed for hell. You, you need to realize somewhere they have to have the gospel message. they've they, they got to hear the message. I, I see Katie sitting there. I'll pick on her for just a minute. She works with the, the, the center, the Northeast Washington Center there in uh, Colville, rescuing those that would look and debate whether they should have abortion or not. You know, the, the success of that program is not whether they convince them not to have an abortion or not. The success is they introduce them to Jesus Christ. That's the whole thrust, the whole purpose of it there. And that should always be in the back of our mind. We're to be transformed. We are to be transformers, seeking to change others into the image of Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 10 speaks of the fact that we are to bring every thought into captivity for Christ. If we're going to be changed, if we're going to be that living sacrifice, we have to learn to control our thought life. Philippians 2.5 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We need to think as Christ thought. We, we need to allow him to, to change and transform our minds and our thinking. And the way that he does that is through his word. We we jokingly say, you know, if you read this passage three times or, or every day for three weeks, you're going to have it memorized. But you know what? The more we can get into our mind, the word of God, the more we can become like jesus christ Uh, and so instead of resisting that idea let's try it let's see how many can come up three weeks from now with romans chapter 12 verses one and two now i'm sure if i asked for a show of hands several of you could say you've already memorized it You're, you're, you're way ahead of the game there and that's that that's great but we've got to get it into our mind if we're going to be transformed if we're going to live lives that please him when we seek to follow his word When we seek to follow his will, we we demonstrate to the world that it is, first of all, good. He desires the best for us. We we sometimes get to thinking, you know what, if I surrender my life as a living sacrifice to God, he's going to send me to Africa. We we have that song, Don't Send Me to Africa. Uh, He doesn't desire to make life miserable for us. His desire, his will for us is good. We, we, we need to learn to, to recognize that fact. Sometimes we understand that in retrospect, but in the midst of the circumstances and the trials, are we really convinced that God is good and what he's doing in our lives is good, that he knows exactly what he is doing and he will work it out for our good? We, we talked about that in our Sunday school class this morning, Romans eight twenty eight. We we can quote that all things work together for good. Do we really believe that when a trial comes? I mean, we—I can quote that very easily for you when you're there in the hospital bed. uh, That that somehow God's going to work something good out of this. That's a little bit different matter when I'm the one in the hospital bed. Do, do, Do I really believe it at that time that God knows what He's doing in our life? That. Yes, it's, the trial's going on, but he's taking it through it for a good purpose, that he has a reason for it. Do we, do we honestly believe that, that his will is good? And then he says it's acceptable. Acceptable to who? Well, to him. But if we really walk with him as we should, then we're going to find it's acceptable to us as well, because we're going to see his good in it. And then he said it's, we're going to reveal that it's the perfect will of God. Jesus, in John chapter 10, verse 10, 10, said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That's what he desires for us, the abundant life, a life that's good, that's acceptable, that's perfect there. He goes on to in that verse to say that the thief comes to destroy, to kill, and so forth there. But I've come to give you the best in life. Do we believe that? Or do we miss out? on some of the best that he would have for us because we're just a little bit afraid that uh, the world's going to think we're crazy or or we're going to miss something that the world has. Which would we choose today? I think this passage demands some serious soul-searching today. Have you presented yourself to God as a living sacrifice? Have you come to that place in your life where you said, Lord, I'm yours. Whatever you choose, wherever you lead, whatever you have for me, I present myself to you as a living sacrifice. And then how has that impacted your life or is it impacting your life today? Are you presenting to him your best or are you giving him your leftovers? Are you seeking to be conformed to this world Or are you allowing God to transform your mind and your thinking and your life so that you can reflect the glory of Jesus Christ to the world in which we live? As I said, this is the foundational passage. We're going to see how that works out in specific areas of our life as as we move on into chapter 12. But we have to wrestle with that fact. Have we reached the point where we are willing to say, Lord, I'm yours. Whatever you want, whatever you choose, I am willing to be that living sacrifice today. Let's pray. Father, the depth of commitment that is expressed here is sometimes difficult for us to fully fathom. To say that we're willing to give give you our all, not knowing what that may involve, demands an act of faith on our part. Father, give us the courage to say, Lord, here am I, use me. Whatever way you choose, whatever capacity you have for us, give us the faith to believe that what you do in and through our lives will be for our best and for your glory. And we'll give you the praise and thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Look up what we're going to sing Living for Jesus. There it
1: is.